We have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And in our back seat, we have <laughs> Scott Nicewander. That's right. I'm back, everybody. Who missed me? Show of hands. I know I did, and I'm glad you're here, Scott, because uh, Too Fast, Too Furious would be too much for the two of us to handle. Uh... So uh, we got to bring you in. We got to bring in the expert. That's Thank right. you. Oh, that I appreciate right. it. I love, the, I mean, I don't know if anyone remembers, but I love this franchise, and I'm so glad that you guys had me back on for this one. I forgot how much I loved this movie. It's so fun. <laughs> Man. So, like we said, we are reviewing the 2003 sequel to Fast and Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious. No colon title, by the way, no. uh, because the twos do the work. It's there twice. Uh, and we are doing this for the month of February, a.k.a. Sequelary, get on board. We're reviewing movie sequels for the whole month of February. And we bring you to another movie that was made in 2003. Uh, we just did uh, whatever movie we did last week. What was it? Last week? Yeah. Oh, X2, man. It was X2, X2, that's X2. right. Yeah, X2. Yeah. X2 came out in 2003. Yeah. Uh Man, 2003 was like the year of like really interesting titles, sequels for titles, I guess. Like X2, X-Men United, Too Fast, Too Furious, you <laughs> yeah. know? It wasn't as simple as like X-Men 2 or mm-hmm. The Fast and the Furious 2. No, mm. you put that 2 into the title, in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. That way people know you're serious. You really had to try a lot harder in 2003. <laughs> That's, That's what right. I remember. Maybe it's just because I was in high school at the time, but I yeah. just remember having to try harder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the, the year that people tried really, really hard. Uh, oh, yeah. So after the success of Fast and Furious, uh, you know, making over two hundred million dollars worldwide, uh, John Singleton uh, saw the first film and he said, "Why didn't I think of that?" Because uh, he grew up in <laughs> Southern California and, uh, and there were street races all the time, and so he was really adamant about directing a sequel, uh, and they offered. You know, Vin Diesel, a, a hefty sum of money to come back uh, to mm-hmm. reprise his role as Dominique Toretto, uh, $25 million. And he read the script and he said, uh, no, this is going nowhere. I am Groot. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do Chronicles of Riddick. End quote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, he, he, he had a big problem with the script. He just felt like they were just, you know, slapping, like taking the characters and uh, putting them in some other random situation and just slapping the same title on it. He's like, that's what they did in the 80s and 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. I, this is going nowhere. Vin Diesel out. Uh, but later, you know, he's changed his tune. Uh, he's been like, well, well, it wasn't. I mean, yes, it didn't like it, but now seeing. I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, now seeing. Look. Well, screen, screen the things. Man, that is, that is a really, really good impression of Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> uh, well, Grayson, I'm glad you said that. Um, flawless transition away from my terrible impression. Um, Sylvester Stallone's mansion was actually used uh, in the movie. for like Carter's uh, Mansion? What? Carter's Mansion used to belong to Sylvester Stallone. Wow. That's incredible. Which is why my impression is so... Uh, you know, and there. Channeled it, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was purposeful, everybody. There it is. You heard it here first. Uh, so the movie was released, and, uh, you know, lots of people liked it. Uh, it grossed over $236 million worldwide with an estimated $76 million budget. Um, and in when it first came out, people were like, boo, boo. This sucks. That got nominated uh, for a couple of Razzies. Yeah. But then also Grammys. So it's like, you know, make I'm up so your mind. Confused. <laughs> uh, but later on, you know, as they've built this franchise up, um, Entertainment Weekly has called it the Forgotten Fast and Furious Gym uh, and praised the movie for its chemistry between Walker and Tyrese Gibson and John Singleton's direction. So nice. Mm-hmm. People were eating their words. Um, last little uh, thing and tidbit I have about you know this movie and sequels. Uh, so 
they were filming on one side of Cape Florida State Park. Bad Boys 2 was filming scenes on the outside of the other park. Wow. <laughs> which also came out in 2003. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Man, Florida is crazy. Yeah, all that stuff was just happening anyway. People <laughs> yeah. just had cameras. <laughs> no one knew they were filming. Yeah. No. <laughs> just a guy just driving through. He said, I just drive this grip truck. Wait, wait, wait. Unload everything. Unload everything. The locals just close <laughs> the windows. All right. Okay. Uh, now, uh, now this was my first time watching uh, said Fast and said Furious. Uh, Scott, our guest, yes. uh, when was your first time watching Fast and Furious? Actually, Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I, I think I, I may have mentioned this before uh, when we did the first movie, but like I watched all of them in preparation for Fast and Furious Five, Fast Five, mm. uh, when that was coming out because I totally missed them when they were in theaters. And uh, so I watched this many years ago, whenever Fast Five came out. Um, it feels like a century ago at this I point. I think it was 2003. Yeah, that's the, that sounds right. I think everything came out in 2003. That sounds, sounds good to me. Uh, so I, I watched it then, and I thought it was a ton of fun. It was so different, because I watched all the movies back-to-back in like the span of a week. And... Uh, it, it felt so different, even from the title sequence. All the Fast and Furious movies open with like these, you know, like blocky metal, you know, like boom, Fast and Furious. This one was more just like light streaks, and it was like you know bright and neon. It felt the tone was very different. Um, I will say for this watch through, I was running a bit behind, so I thought for fun I would watch the whole movie on double speed <laughs> instead of regular speed. That's- and I gotta say. Hands down, the best way to watch this movie. It's so good. Wow. So you watched Too Fast, Too Furious on times two speed. Correct. It was four fast, four furious. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's the way it should be watched. (laughs) I love that so much. Uh, You you brought up neon. So there's so much neon used in the cars that a technical specialist – whose expertise was shooting neon on film was kept on set at all times. Oh, wow. How, like, you know, they say that, you know, if you love the work you do, you never work a day in your life. How do you become a neon specialist? Well, you grow up in Vegas. uh, (laughs) Yes. Okay. That's step one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, then you put in 10,000 hours. (laughs) That's right. That's I love the the opening racing scene felt very like it almost felt like Power Rangers like visuals to okay. me where everything was bright and everyone was color coded. It was yeah, it just it felt fun. Okay, so you guys remember uh, the movie that uh, kind of tanked because it came out the same weekend as some other dumb Marvel movie like Iron Man, uh, Speed Racer. Oh yes. yeah, so Jack from Lost. 2003. Once uh, again. 2000, the 2003 sleeper hit. Uh, so, when, like, I was thinking of that the whole opening sequence because I'm like, this feels like I'm watching an episode of Speed Racer, but better. Because I, wa- I remember watching that Speed Racer movie and really liking it, but, like, I think, like, the, the, the way that they kind of, like, made it, like, a hyper, like, almost Hot Wheels kind of world that they lived in kind of did take away from the excitement of it. But just, like... Them like driving in their cars against a green screen yeah. with just like lights just blurring past them. Like yeah. I, I loved it. Like when he, when they took off on that uh, the bridge lift, I was like, like I audibly gasped. I said, "Are are they gonna make it?" Like it, <laughs> like it just looked so like that's like they they're doing this stunt. Like yeah. they could have easily just green screened it or like you know done like computer graphics, but it's still early on in the two thousands where yeah. they're like. Well, I guess we gotta really destroy this car. Yeah, yeah. I when I, at that point I was just like, I don't understand why people like this ludicrous character because that's a jerk move. Because uh, he didn't tell anybody. Nobody no. knew about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is impressive that he could rig up an entire thing like that and have nobody know. So yeah, or but, have yeah. anyone attempt the stunt and not die? Yeah, he didn't test that out. There's no yeah. way. He was just like ramps. <laughs> But and he's, like, he's two charismatic, of, yeah. Two of the three people who went over it were, like, his friends. So yeah. it's just, ugh. He, yeah, he was just, like, hit the button. He's like, hope it doesn't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I know we're not there yet, but that's my unofficial headcanon, is that Ludacris is Jigsaw. Uh, 
He's like, okay, so if you arch, okay, the bridge goes up. I think that's what, mm-hmm. 35, 45 degree angle? Okay. I want to have drive a better race. appreciation yeah. for their life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll drive faster now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so my first time watching this movie, so as I've said previously, I didn't really like the first Fast and Furious movie. I didn't understand it. I was like, so what? This guy just lets this guy go because he likes him? That's dumb. But this movie really does tie it all together. I feel like if you are to watch the Fast and Furious franchise, you have to watch them like front to back or maybe even do some kind of like edit where you have like a flashback to, mm. you know, what happened with uh, Tyrese and uh, and Walker's like relationship. Uh, actually, fun fact. When they were promoting Too Fast, Too Furious, they actually had a short that was an extra feature on the Fast and the Furious DVD extra feature that was just kind of like a tee-up going into Too Fast, Too Furious, where they showed, like, all right, Paul Walker's taking a cross-country road trip, and he, like, this is how he got to Florida kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, And it really does inform, like, how, you know, it's really part one, part Too Fast, Too Furious, when yeah. you because they tell tell a wholer story because I, I didn't get why Paul Walker's character would just let this guy go. I'm like, why? And you explained many times before, Scott, that it is a family. Your family. That's why. Yeah. It's family. 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 The most important thing. Yeah. Most important meal of the day. Family. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I just assumed that Paul Walker took that houseboat from like Santa Monica Pier down through the Panama Canal and up into Miami. I, yeah. There was no explanation needed for me. I was, yeah. yeah. I just wish they had more cartography. That, I think that's what I... That was mm. my biggest criticism. I took notes and that was number one on <laughs> yep, my list. Number one, more cartography. Yes. Ricky, yeah. I think you, just like the neon specialist, you could really carve out your own uh, niche in film called a cinecartographer. Ooh. Where it's about the locations uh-huh. depicted in films, not that you shoot on, but the geography of it. Yes. Yeah. All right. There you go. Thanks. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Now this movie uh, had a lot of actors that I completely forgot, and actually probably didn't even know uh, were people that I could remember. Uh, but the main <laughs> detective, uh, who's like, "What are you doing?" Uh, James Renmar. He's Peter Gamby in Black Lightning. Like, oh. who would have thought that I would be like, Gamby, what are you doing here? Um, but yeah, like the main detective who's like leading up the mission uh, and yeah. kind of ruining everything. He was he was here. This is where he began. Um, and I'm saying this not just because I went head cannon later on, but because that was uh-huh. a genuine reaction I had. Now, are you talking um, about the guy that has a case of old face and the gruff yes. voice? Or not, okay, so not the guy that's that wears fun shirts on his day off. No, discount okay. Gary Oldman, James Remar. Got it. Perfect. Cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was great. And also, um, like... Ludacris was it like I knew Ludacris is in the movie, but I forgot like how big of a role he played in the movie. I thought it was just like, well, Ludacris is here, kind of the same way that Jaw Rule was just in the beginning of the movie in Fast and the Furious, but yeah. never again. Which he was mm-hmm. offered half a million dollars to come back and reprise his role, hmm. like to play just a bigger role in place of Ludacris. But he yeah. said, no, I'm Jaw Rule, and. It's 2003, so I'm doing great. Uh, and that was like, listen, I'm too big for this. I'm going to make my own festival where people are going to love it. You just see. You just see. And Ludacris said, no, I'll do it. I'll take a half a million dollars. Uh, Scott, since you're the only one that's seen all these, does Ludacris, yeah. does his character stay with the franchise or was this a one-off for him? No, I was going to say, yeah, he he's in almost every subsequent movie. Oh, he's, good, because I really like and, his character. Yeah, he and Roman uh, from this movie both are mainstays. They're staples okay. in the franchise now. I knew Roman was because basically all of my Fast and Furious knowledge comes from the backlot tour at Universal Studios. <laughs> Uh, and he's in it. So I was like, okay, I know Roman sticks around. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I don't, I don't remember seeing Ludacris in there. So that cool. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he had that initial jerk move of the, of the yeah. bridge after that, I was like, man, this character is awesome. So, well, yeah, okay. I mean, it's all one long game for him. Oh God. Know, yeah. As, as Jigsaw. Dean, 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 Dean. Yep. It's been a while since we sang the Saw theme on this podcast. It sure has. <laughs> we need to be doing that more often. So I I really did enjoy this movie. Like it, it was I, I I at first I was like, well, well who who wrote this though? Uh, it turns out that they actually allowed a lot of the actors to improvise a lot. I said, there we go. Okay. Yeah. No, I, that, that, it feels like it. I yeah. think. Oh yeah, because like some of the lines, I'm like, what? What? Why is why is this? Their dialogue. Yes, and I have NOS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but overall, like this was, I I feel like this movie did a better job than the first movie in solidifying like what makes the Fast and Furious movies like fun. Mm-hmm. And yes. it, it's it, it's kind of like how in wrestling, how you know people tell you all the time with wrestling, like you know wrestling's fake, right? It's just like listen, it's not. I don't want to watch wrestling because people are like physically harming each other, mm-hmm. but it's the story in between yeah. the actual fights that make this worth watching. Yeah. Um, and I finally got that, especially like I, I got a, a little bit with the first one, but the second one I was like, Oh yes. Okay. This, this all makes sense. This is really about, you know, I want to see Paul Walker get away with this crime and how are they going to, you know, outsmart these people. Like, with the whole reveal that, like, I only told one person about the airstrip. It was like, did you? Uh-oh. Oh, my. How? Wow. It was pre-Game of Thrones where they, they used pre- that <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> he thought of that all on his own. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe he read Game of Thrones. Who knows? Um, Could be. Could be. But, yeah, I just really did enjoy this movie. I, I didn't give it the chance that I wish I should have because now now I feel like it's too late and too furious for me to be able to enjoy this movie the way it was intended which was smack dab in the middle of 2003 2003. I mean this I mean I 2003 I feel like I was like a preteen or a teenager around that time and man like I had like sense memory like when Ludacris's act of fool started playing I'm like Oh, why? I, I'm at the YMCA. What's happening right now? Like, <laughs> I'm at the YMCA and we're listening to the radio, or I'm listening to my physical radio right by my bed, like right before I go to sleep. I'm like, oh no, like I'm in 2003. Like, Ludacris was one of my favorite like rappers, especially in the early 2000s, and yeah. it's just tied to so many like background like places i was in and so uh i wish i would have seen this movie in 2003 because everything would have made more sense it's like yes this is what this is for incredible uh, my my one my biggest complaint about this movie is that it didn't come out in 2002 because that would have been too perfect <laughs> yeah it would have been too perfect too great yeah i do want to comment on like one you were comparing it to game of, i've never seen game of thrones oh, i imagine well. it's exactly like this movie it is yeah okay cool so you, you don't need to it's yeah it, it's long running, got a huge cast. It's basically the same thing. All yeah. right, yeah. cool. Yeah. I just I, I imagine people on horseback and like the engines are revving noises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a Toretto always pays his debts. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yeah. That checks out. Now, Scott, we are but uh, first time uh, Fast and Furious watchers, just as a whole. Uh, nay, noobs, if you will. So is there anything else from your uh, great wisdom of watching this movie multiple times and uh, and diving into its rich history of existing? Uh, you know, I think it, this movie, to me, it, it helped to solidify um, the, the craziness that would ensue in the later installments. Because I don't know if you guys have seen the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. Oh, yeah. yes. Um, so if we recall, the very first Fast and Furious movie, they were stealing, like, old TVs with, like, VCRs <laughs> built into them. Oh, yes. I think the most they had were, like, maybe grappling guns connected to cars. That's about it. Yeah. Hobbs and Shaw has, like, a literal cyborg that they're fighting. <laughs> 
So that's pretty good. <laughs> and I think Too Fast, Too Furious helps with that. Like, slowly starts to amp up because we get this, like, interesting little piece of tech uh, that, like, the police use to shut down cars yeah. uh, in the beginning and it comes back at the end. Uh, and, like, that starts to slowly ramp up how weird and interesting the technology is ramp in this franchise. Ramp up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, every every other movie starts to get even more intricate with, like, the weird gadgets they use. And, uh, and I think this movie really helped um, get that tone across. Because they even had, like, the ejector seat, which I thought was really fun. I that's love so, that. That's so classic, you know? Oh. And then, of course, as we all know, we go from there to human cyborg who's impervious to bullets. Yep, that is the next logical step. That's correct. Uh, yeah, I do yeah, appreciate how Tyrese still identifies how crazy all of this is. Because he's like, car, boat, car, boat. Oh, it's some Dukes of Hazard Nonsense. And... Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, at least there's, like, a character in here who identifies that this is insane. And I, he, that mentality of his continues throughout the rest of the series. One of my favorite bits, I think it was in Fast 6, is when they skydive with cars, hmm. where they, wow. like, they drop out of a plane in cars, and he's, like, the last one he regrets. He doesn't want to do it. And so I think Ludacris ha- like hooks something up so that he can control his car and like send him out regardless. Anyway, it's the gadgets wow. and, and weird stunts are just super fun. I love this franchise. That's great, and I think that's partially why it works. Is you have to have that character calling out, "This is crazy," basically mm-hmm. saying what the audience is thinking. Like this is nuts. So there's there's a thing in um, the, one of the styles of improv that they, that they teach where your your scene can be as crazy as as you make it as long as you establish what is different from the uh, normal world um, that you're calling out this is the unusual thing yeah. and and Tyrese really serves that of saying like somebody has to say this is not normal okay yeah. now we can buy into it we're, we're, we're establishing that we don't we don't expect you to just take this at face value right um, and I, I think that's why it works that's why they can escalate so quickly yeah See, now I'm interested in seeing how Hobbs and Shaw is going to do without that character. Because it looks like Rock and Jason Statham will just be like, oh, this is a normal day for us. We're big old punchy men. And I wonder if that's going to be, if that's going to translate as well. I think think that was the internal studio title of uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Just big old punchy men. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Fast now, and Furious presents <laughs> Big Old Punching Man. Big Old Punching Man. Uh, my favorite thing that Tyrese did, um, his his character choice to just eat all the time, um, yeah. <laughs> and then like I wasn't expecting it, but when they decided to like just stop the movie and explain why he was, why he was eating all the time, he's like, ah, the way I figure, uh, if I if I go back to jail. I might as well eat up all the food I can now. Yeah. Plus, I have a fast metabolism. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's. I'm glad. I'm glad they took the time because at first I'm just like, what a character choice. He just stops and eats, mm-hmm. no matter where they are. Um, See, I really, I really, I genuinely appreciated that moment because it keeps it from being like uh, a a two-dimensional character gimmick like what we saw in Ocean's Eleven. I was going to mention, yeah. Yeah, where he's just eating to eat, and it's like a character thing. And they actually make it, with this, a deep character history thing, uh, like a motivation. And if the food represents his greed or his drive or, like, the reason that he's doing these things, then you... His drive. (laughs) Gosh, so many levels. Then it actually has uh, meaning for the character. Where And he reinforces it again. One of the last lines where, where he says, we're not hungry anymore. Mm. Um, it's that, that itch in the back of his head of, like, we, I'm going to get what's mine. There's always something more I can get. And establishing, like, I know what it's been like to not have this when he was in prison and knowing that he's facing that again, I think it just really makes it a more three-dimensional character. So I, I look yeah. at a scene like that and I'm like, yeah, way to take a gimmick and make it actually have stakes and make it real. So, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. 
The, yeah. You know, there's another character in the franchise that pops up later who uh, is always snacking on food, and I think they establish in one of the movies that it's because, like, he... It, it, it's. I don't think it's as deep. I think it's just like, oh, he used to be. He used to smoke, and so his. You know, mm. now he just <laughs> snacks instead. But I, I definitely man. like this. What this movie did, like you were saying, taking it and making it a more deep kind of thematic thing. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's it's rooted in some reality too. Like you look at. Um, it's the youngest child syndrome wherever they are a kid in a large family. They eat faster because the mm. um, they've, they've learned that in these kind of crazy, enormous households, the older siblings were faster and could get to the food first. And if the parents weren't really as involved, the, the younger kids would maybe go hungry sometimes. So, uh, there's, yeah, it's this thing where like younger kids will eat faster than their older siblings. And I think that that plays out here, uh, with, uh, Roman where he's like, I, I know what it's like to be hungry. So I'm going to take and eat. Yeah. That's fascinating. That, uh, that's, that explains a lot about my childhood. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> do you come from a big family? Oh, I sure do. Oh, Huge family. That's probably yeah. why you like these movies so much. It's all about family. It's all about family. <laughs> wow. I did not expect this podcast to psychoanalyze me, but we're here. So. Yeah. More like too fast, too serious. Am I right? Oh. Am, I, am I right? Am I? I don't, I don't know it's anymore. Hard um, to tell. But I don't know a lot about cars. Um, but I still enjoy the movie. Um, but I do know a lot about headcanon. Headcanon. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> it's good. Headcanon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Um, so my headcanon, um, which we're saying for the first time and didn't discover that we have conflicting headcanon before we started recording at all. Definitely not. Mm. My headcanon uh, has to do with Mark Boone Jr., um, a.k.a. Uh, the guy who almost got his stomach, like, he almost got tauntauned by a rat, yeah, basically. He's, he's yes. got a rat problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he might look familiar because he was also in Batman Begins as Flash, another undercover cop. Uh -huh. So... My headcanon is that uh, Bruce Wayne later on gets recruited into the Fast and Furious franchise, and oh it's God. only a matter of time before we see uh, Christian Bale show up in Paris. They're just in Paris for no reason, oh and God, they just see that. him, and he's just like, uh, he's like, so can you drive? It's like. I race a little, and it just cuts to the Batmobile, and he just has it for no explicable reason. Um, Ricky, I just I want to say the the type of technology that exists in the Nolan Batman movies is spot on to exist in this <laughs> franchise. I would love if it, just for no reason they one of them is just driving like a tumbler in in a, in a movie you know like it doesn't even have to be black it right. could be the camo version or whatever like that would just be a fun nod to be like eh, eh, they're in the same universe it goes back to like this idea of of shared universes where it's like yeah batman and Dominic Toretto exists in the same universe, but they never interact because why would they? Yes. You know, like, so you can just, you could just say it for any franchise like that. And I wholeheartedly agree. I love oh, yeah. this. Yeah. Bruce yeah. Wayne's not a SoCal man. He's not no, making exactly. his way to the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is weird to think about like, oh yeah, we live in the same just like universe where, you know, Weird Al Yankovic and Michael Jordan exist. It's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's like, I've never met these people, but yet I exist still in their world. Mm -hmm. Look at that. I'm Look special. At that. Uh, but that's my biggest piece of headcanon. That um, and, uh, you know, I mentioned the guy from Black Lightning, uh, James Ramar. Uh, I think that this could have been like one of his. It fits very much into. Um, Gamby's mo to be somewhat a part of, you know, some actual legal organization. Yeah. So that's it for me. 
Um, yeah, my, my headcanon was uh, also about Gordon's partner in Batman Begins, but I see that as I see Batman Begins as a prequel to Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh. Um, okay. because he he doesn't get killed in Batman Begins, but he gets intimidated by Batman, and he knows the dangers of kind of being uh, a dirty cop. But when he gets out of Gotham, because who wants to live in Gotham, the real estate alone, he oh. goes down to Miami, but he falls into the same pattern. Mm. Um, and now he has a family. He didn't really have a family before. Now he's got people to care for. He makes bad choices again. But he has that debate where he's like, do I call them off and do the window? Or like give, give Carter the window or do I um, just kind of play into his pocket again? And I, I think this is the redemption of Flass. I think this is him making the choice to do the right thing, even though it screwed everything up after that. He was like, no, I'm not going to give him the window. I'm going to do the right thing. So I think, I think it really closes that, the loop on, on Detective Flass. I like that. It's a little, it's a little hidden redemption arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From bat flash. to rat. Oh, the Rat Man. <laughs> what is this? I was trying to decide if I had seen that whole like torture device in other movies, or if that was, if I'm just remembering. I keep remembering this movie. Uh, like, I, I think it is in something else because I had the same feeling. I was like, no, it's not Hook. Like that's the scorpion in the trunk, but mm-hmm. it did seem very familiar. But I remember there being more rats, and then making a point to say that they had been starved. So I don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, if anyone listening knows what we're talking about, please leave a comment because it's driving me crazy. Yeah. I mean, d- don't tell me specifically if it was like a real world event because I don't oh, want to read about that. Yeah. Oh, you're but thinking it... about the regular news. <laughs> That's just, right. Just the regular news. Oh, I don't like spoilers for the news. No. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, d- I just don't want to like it. It doesn't feel like something that somebody created for this movie. Like it feels mm-hmm. like something that they heard somewhere and they're like, oh, Ooh, that's good. You know what I mean? It's a tactic. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was know. Jack Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was just going to say I have a minor. Oh, great. Headcanon as well. And it's also about police because that's a big part of this movie. Um, so James Ramar. I believe it's the same actor who plays Dexter's dad on Dexter, and he's also a police officer on that show. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, like, their names are even similar. I think in this movie he's Agent Markham, and I think in in Dexter his name is like, you know, Morgan, not Markham. So it's oh, so yeah. close. It's so close. Um, but yeah, so I just like the idea that after this movie. Uh, he just like fathers a child who becomes a serial killer. That's all it is. That's my head cannon. They both take place in Florida, so Oh that, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. It's just yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, name changes in head cannon doesn't bother me because in my opinion, if Kessler can become Kramer on Seinfeld, anything's fair game. There you go. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I did have one uh, headcanon that will not resonate with anybody, um, but in the show Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, mm-hmm. there is a sketch that is then um, kind of sold off to be its own TV show called Peripheral Vision Man. And watching this, I realized that my headcanon is Brian's superpower is that he is Peripheral Vision Man, which is how he can do the stare and drive. <gasps> He has like a it. full 180-degree view around him. Ooh. Yeah. I actually good. think Brian's superpower is hyper-awareness because he's able to pick up on, like, how much energy – or not energy. What is it? How much torque <laughs> – I don't know cars um, – <laughs> the other cars can put out, and he, he's able to assess instantly, kind of like a Sherlock Holmes type thing. Yeah, he's like, we're not going like to win that. this race. Yeah, he can, like, take the model of the car and know who's going to win. So I was like, mm-hmm. that's that's like a, a little supernatural, but yeah, I, I, I think he has hyper awareness. I want like a recut of Fast and Furious, all the whole franchise. But whenever Brian does something like that, it has to do like the the BBC Sherlock, all the text flying around his face yeah. and like all the images and stuff. And before, like, you can just freeze frame if you want before any of that happens. Do all yes. that stuff, and then like cut back, and he's like, yeah, I don't know, the, the, the tires are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I just see that. I'd also yeah. like to see the Robert Downey Jr. take on it, where he plays the race out in slow mo and sees yeah, everything that could yes. go wrong, and then like does it Correct. full speed. Yeah, oh. 
That's really good. I mean, I, I guess Fast and the Furious really is just Sherlock Holmes. It sure yeah. is. Well, home is where family is. So. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Very good. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we talk about recast remake. Um, so <laughs> this movie, if it were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Like if they're to do like a soft or like maybe a really hard reboot mm. on the Fast and Furious franchise and like not change lanes. Yeah, if they pumped the brakes on the current franchise. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh man, guys, <laughs> seriously, this is just uh, this yes. is the best a podcast has ever gone. That's right. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they did they weren't making like Star Wars stories from you know Fast and Furious franchise like they're doing with uh, Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, what if they were to start over? Mm-hmm. Just do. But they, I think it would be actually be good if they did start with Too Fast, Too Furious. So who would you cast? What would the storyline be? It's interesting that you say if they start with Too Fast, Too Furious, because I think it would have been interesting if they were to redo this. Yeah, start from this point. And I like all the backstory they allude to, because then it really allows them to do a Rescuers Down Under and like do this and then release the prequel. Um, and see all the backstory that that led up to it, and be like, "Oh, this is the guy that he let go," and I think that'd be pretty interesting. But yeah, I I mean, I can tell you who I think they probably would cast for Brian, which is probably like Chris Pratt. I feel oh, like yeah. he just has that kind of he's got the charm and he's got the. I mean, he looks very similar in my opinion. I don't know if that's who I would want, but I feel like that's who they would do. You know. Yeah, I do think Paul Walker is hard to recast because he yeah. may be the handsomest man to ever live. But that's true. I, it's the eyes. It's the piercing eyes. That's, and so they for that, soul. I, they really do. I mean, that's that's his superpower. It, see, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> piercing blue eyes. Uh, so to kind of recreate that look, I had Matt Bomber. Um, Ooh, yeah, he's like done him. several seasons of American Horror Story. I think he recently guest starred on Will and Grace. But yeah, he gets confused with Henry Cavill a lot. They have similar features, but I think yeah. I think Bomber would really uh, kind of fit that role. Yeah, uh, he's. I know him mostly from I think White Collar. Is that him? Oh or yeah, he? yeah, yeah. That was his big thing where he was the lead on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also in uh, I think Doom Patrol, the new DC. I think show, you're right. Which yeah. I'm excited about. I like him. I think he needs to be in more things. I, I wholeheartedly mm-hmm. agree with that casting. That's good. Yeah. I also think James Marsden would be Ooh. pretty Oh, yeah, he's pretty got the good. jaw for it. Yeah. 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 He also has very powerful eyes. Yes. In X2, <laughs> X-Men United. Huh. Uh, and then for Roman, um, I recasted Tyrese with uh, Leonard Roberts. Um, you may know him better as Deal from Heroes. He was also in Drumline. Uh, yep. Just a really solid actor, and I think he would do a great job in this role. Yeah. See, I swapped rappers for rappers, and I chose Donald Glover. Um, Ooh, I love that. Like, either for Tyrese's role or Ludacris. I think mm-hmm. Ludacris, would, I think that would be more his lane, um, just like for character <laughs> type. Mm-hmm. Uh but again, I've just been watching a lot of Atlanta and have him firmly planted. Um, but yeah. if we, but for the character that they wrote for Tyrese, Morris Chestnut. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I think Morris Chestnut would do really well for Tyrese's role. But anyway, yeah, him or I, and, and I just couldn't escape this. I feel like Kevin Hart um, would, oh, yeah, would also be like. But that then that's just you know ride along. Um, but, yeah. I, but I feel like. If he were to play that character, like, not comedic, I think he could do a really good job. Um, mm-hmm. But also, it's Kevin Hart, so he's he's going to bring the funny and yeah. the goofiness that uh, Tyrese did. Like, <laughs> there are different things that he did that I just just made me laugh. Yeah. It's so hard for me to recast anybody because I love this franchise so much. They and I love did these it actors. perfectly. <laughs> I'm going to recast Paul Walker as one of his brothers. Yeah, uh, keep so it in the family. Do it again. Keep it in the family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also kept it in the Atlanta family, Ricky. I had Lakeith Stanfield. Nice. Um, I love him in Sorry to Bother You, and uh, yeah. he's great in Atlanta and, and Get Out. So I I thought he'd be a fun Tedge. Is that how you say it? Tedge? 
Tesh? 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 Yeah, I thought, he, I thought he'd do well there. Um, I also recasted some of the smaller characters, just because that's always more fun for me. Yeah. Um, although, I guess she wasn't a smaller character. Uh, Monica Fuentes, the Eva Mendez character, I had mm-hmm. uh, Isa or Isa Gonzalez from Baby Driver. Oh, um, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I yeah. Think, think she would be great uh, for uh, f- the Fonzie guy that they race. Uh, I had Nestor Carbonell from Lost and the, the Mayor in Dark Knight. Um, nice. they just have similar eyes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you're, for, you're all about those eyes, huh? I really am. I'm, I cast with the eyes and for Carter, the, the main bad guy, I had Jason Clark for, cause for a second I thought it was Jason Clark. Um, <laughs> From uh, the the War for the Planet of the Apes movies oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Terminator Salvation, oh, upcoming yeah. Pet Cemetery, Chappaquiddick, um, but yeah, he he's, he plays bad guys really well too. So yeah. I thought it'd be good. Um, and Andre Brewer for Bilkins, and then uh, finally uh, Agent Dunn, the guy with the big gulp and the khakis. Um, I had me in high school. Uh, <laughs> That's Perfect pretty casting. good. Perfect yeah. casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Eva Mendez's character, um, I actually would have cast uh, Alita, Battle Angel, in Theaters Thursday. Oh. Um, <laughs> just to cast off the eyes. Um, Are you also on IMDb <laughs> where they're promoting it constantly? Yeah, but it's IMDb, E-Y-E. <laughs> That's correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, Scott, why would you recommend Too Fast, Too Furious? Uh, and, you know, to keep in with sequels, give your reasons to recommend at the exact same time and go. Okay, so uh, uh, what I, I mean, I'm new to this franchise, is, but I think it's pretty fun. It's really fun. And, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I think we agree that it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender the floor to Scott. Okay, cool. <laughs> We could only continue that for so long. Yep. Uh, I So uh, what I love about this movie, the reason I would recommend it is because I know that the first Fast and Furious movie is kind of it, – it, it, it's not – it doesn't fit with the rest of the franchise in my opinion. I think it takes itself a little too seriously. This movie is way more fun. It, it, it embraces, like, the silliness and the excitement and the humor a little bit more than the first one did. Um, and you don't even really need to watch the first one to fully understand this one. Like, a, a, all the backstory that you get, you get through exposition and just, you know, character moments. So you don't you don't feel like you're missing much. And uh, and honestly, it's just a it's a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, I want some more car things. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 100%. I completely agree. And being able to watch this kind of fresh and, and new to the series is exciting, especially knowing where it's headed. And it really did remind me just how long this franchise has gone on and how consistently it's released movies. It's not like there are huge gaps in between. Yeah, they've released at least eight, eight or nine movies in the year 2003 alone. <laughs> all at once <laughs> it was really a binge film release uh, right. before that was a thing and what I really appreciate about it is that it rapidly raises the stakes from the first movie um, like you were talking about they uh, they steal like TVs in the first one and this one I mean you're working with the FBI and all, all this it's uh, I just really appreciated that like yeah that's what a sequel should do the stakes should be higher I also appreciated that it put it in a different city which allows us to re-explore the world I think that's a great move um, and then uh, they get to the action immediately there's not a ton of exposition there's some just to catch people up but uh, just the right amount what we need to be able to play in this world and understand what's going on um, and throughout all that, the danger stays present. They at no point do they really feel safe. Even when they're in Paul Walker's like houseboat, the danger comes to them. So I think not having really a safe haven is um, it helps keep the the action moving forward. Um, but ultimately, the characters are the heart of the Fast and the Furious franchise, and they do such a great job at building. Uh, flawed characters that are the best at what they do. And that's always going to be a more interesting choice than buffoonery, than people who keep messing up. 
Um, they are technical experts at the thing they do, but they're flawed humans. Um, it makes them relatable, but it also makes them interesting to watch. And um, yeah, I, I just think that's been uh, the secret ingredient for these movies. Um, and you see super cool stuff that you're not going to see in other movies, like the the streetcar racer scramble at the end. I was like, I really don't remember seeing something quite like this. That's so many cars all yeah. at once. And just to be able to have all those stunt drivers drive them simultaneously and not just have it be chaos, it's like controlled chaos, it's uh, incredibly impressive. So, um, yeah, they keep it interesting, they keep it moving, and uh, I said this, I think, at the end of the when we did the first one, like, I really want to go watch the rest of them. I, I didn't end up doing that, but this movie really does be like, oh, I see now how they got from point A to point B, like how this franchise has evolved. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm in. I I, uh, I want to follow this thing through. So I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. It is, uh, it, it is just packed full of fun. I mean that that makes me smile because I love these movies and I'm glad that this this one really wanted you to to watch the rest and I'm excited for uh, I'm I'm excited for your journey. Thank you. I, I I think I've talked about this on our review of the first Fast and Furious, which is available where podcasts are. Um, there's a certain kind of excitement that you get when live stunts are happening. Like the tension feels realer. Um, and I mean I think. Uh, I'm borrowing a phrase from uh, Captain Crispin's when talking about um, the age of CGI, which makes almost anything possible and by result, almost nothing uh, unique. Um, And so like they easily could have just done, you know, like I mentioned, the failed speed racer movie they could have done just like all right look at all these really cool like cgi car things like i feel like you kind of take away some of the excitement kind of like the uh the, the movie i'm not trying to put down a movie in my reasons to recommend this now movie but like the movie now you see me like the whole premise of the movie is like look at how great these magicians are mm-hmm. but so much of what they're doing is like just computer graphic stuff so i'm like i mean yeah. sure oh, right yeah but like it kind of takes away from like the believability of like the story. I'm like, yeah, but I know that like this is just make believe. Uh, yep. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I I used to. I don't know if I've said this before to even you, Ricky. I don't know. But I used to be a street magician, so like that frustrated me about that movie more than anything. Where I'm just like, oh, they got like holograms and whatever. That's so dumb. Like, right. Like, uh, like, I, I well, think the more huh, like I yeah. feel the tension in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Feels more believable than that of Now You See Me. Um, I guess my only question is, Scott, as a street magician, mm-hmm. how did you make the rain stop in midair? <laughs> Great question. That one is actually pretty simple. That's, oh. that's basic magic 101. Oh, the rain was already stopped. I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It was all smoke and mirrors, baby. <laughs> misdirection <laughs> um but anyway uh now you see me it, maybe it's a, a a good movie uh but i all that to say the tension like with the exception of them like cutting to like the inside dialogue in the cars like everything else is like it's these people it's these stunt drivers doing these ridiculous stunts and like that car that got totaled by like that uh 16 or 18 wheeler oh, i was yeah. gonna mention that that, that was, was real and not planned at all like that what, was what wasn't not planned, planned. what no, do you mean not planned it, it wasn't supposed to like get destroyed to that degree oh. like that was by <laughs> accident there wasn't a person inside was there no i didn't okay. see an in memoriam at the end of this <laughs> no yeah. no I, I like but when i saw that i'm like uh okay stakes are real like but like but you see that kind of thing and it's i I like that it's it's just it's really grounded you know in in the action uh and the relationships in between everything is really good and exciting and it like grayson said it makes me really appreciate this movie and the franchise and does make me want to watch more because i'm like okay great now what are they gonna do like to what degree are these people who are really good at just driving cars gonna get out of you know this next 
uh, you know, high risk event in their life. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm sure I mentioned this before, but uh, just to give you a, uh, some highlights. So obviously they skydive with cars. Yes. <laughs> they jump between skyscrapers with cars. Yes. Uh, and uh, they get ch- they they get chased by a submarine in cars. So oh, wow. figure that one out. <laughs> I can't wait. They drive um, on ice as a submarine underwater is chasing them. It's incredible, and I love it. I'm I'm so on board. I, I just wow. love it. I yeah, it's it's so worth watching twice, um, or maybe watch it w- one time. No, watch it two times simultaneously at two times speed. Yes. I what? can't wreck. I genuinely, it was the funniest thing in the world to me. <laughs> because, like, in the moment, at, at normal speed, all those fast cuts feel feel even, like, they feel fast already. But on double speed, it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's insane. And I love it. <laughs> And that is our review of Too Fast, Too Furious. Let us know what you remember about Too Fast, Too Furious on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And Scott, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, is there any place where they can, you know, follow you or race you on the internet? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. But I do have uh, some stuff out there on uh, YouTube, on the YouTube channel NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C, or Instagram and Twitter, similar things. Just search for NerdSync there is the best way to do it. And it would also help this podcast out if you could give us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice uh, on a scale of one to five uh, Fury Roads. Different, sorry. Well, no, different. That's so confusing. Different mm-hmm. franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. On a scale of one to five twos. Um, <laughs> oh, it works. How, Wait, that's so much worse. How would you rate <laughs> the podcast? Oh, two man. twos, one two, two twos, three twos, four twos, five twos? Five twos is a perfect ten. It is. Mm-hmm. Look, it, 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 that's what I intended oh, wow. with my scale. Well Good done. Stuff. I think last time we did on a scale of one to five quarter miles. Oh. So these oh, scales good. have never really made sense. No. Yeah. Much yeah. like the fast and furious rules of the road, <laughs> I assume. And we will continue sequelary, so make sure that you are tuned in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With the final chapter of How to Train Your Dragon hitting theaters, we thought that the dragons could use a little luck. A luck dragon. So we're reviewing the never-ending story to colon the next chapter. Yeah! My fist was in the air for that. I was riding a luck dragon. Oh, good.